Welcome to Real Talk, Real Women, Breaking the Silence Around Abuse. I am Gemma Serenity Gorokov, your host, and today we have the honor of having Tracy Lefleur joining us. Tracy Lefleur stands as a prominent figure in the realms of love, relationships, and self-development, bringing a wealth of expertise to empower individuals on their journeys. Boasting an impressive tenure of over a decade, Tracy's journey has, fortified, has been fortified by a mosaic of certifications in areas spanning relationships, love, health, and wellness coaching. Her mastery extends to the nuanced realms of trauma, somatic trauma releasing, and inner self-development. A compassionate beacon, Tracy's fervor lies in enabling people to transcend their boundaries and achieve their loftiest life aspirations. Her profound insight is born not only from her professional acumen, but also from her deeply personal experiences. As a survivor, Tracy has navigated the complex terrain of being a child of a parent who endured suicide overcoming battles with eating disorders, body dysmorphia, and triumphing over the shadows of sexual trauma. Moreover, her journey through divorce and remarriage, raising four children, three of whom are her own, adds layers of authenticity to her understanding of human struggles and victories. With a heart dedicated to growth, Tracy champions the transformative power of self-evolution and commits herself to being a radiant force of positivity in the lives of those she guides. Each interaction is enriched by her reservoir of encounters, making her not just an expert, but a relatable confidant. Tracy's unwavering devotion culminates in a promise to deliver unparalleled excellence to all who seek a more purposeful and gratifying existence. Tracy. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for making us the honor of being here today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for that introduction. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a fact and just based on what I understand of you. I will take it. I receive. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay, my first question. We talk about eating disorder, body dysmorphia, and sexual trauma. I know it's, I mean, you are by far not the only one going through all of that, no. but can you tell us a little bit about that, what happens? Yeah, you know, I think as I start off in my health coaching to see how many women go through that and we, you know, mask it or don't speak about it, I think it's really common. You know, it's all about control. And when I was growing up, it was just the crazy households. Um, my parents got divorced when I was nine, but before that, it was just chaos all the time. We were the yelling, screaming household. My dad was just really emotionally abusive with me and my sister. And I think it just started from there. I was trying to find some kind of control in the chaos. So it started probably when I was about 12. Um, my mom, I didn't know when I was younger until I got a little older and could see was an alcoholic. And I would say at the time, I mean, now we have different things to categorize but they said that manic depressant now you would probably say bipolar um but she was just the life of the party and then she was depressed she was up she was down so there was never a sense of calm there was never a grounding 
And I think that that is where eating disorder led. Again, a lot of us, I think, find that there. It's something that I could control at the time, which then, you know, just kind of took on a life of its own. Um, it kind of led to to sexual trauma, those things that came later, because I started to just find value in my body. I There was no one to notice me at home. My mom was off being crazy. My dad was off doing his thing. And... So I had the body that I was trying to control and I would use that for validation. I would use that to find the love that I wasn't getting at home, the attention that I wasn't getting at home. And then all of a sudden that puts you in situations that you don't want to be in. So for me, all of those things kind of tied together um, and then continued on and off until I actually had my first baby. So it was probably started when I was 12 until I was about 32. So long, long journey. At 32 years old, not before. Sorry? So you started having children at 32 years old, not before. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I weeded a little bit there <laughs> to go through, go through a bunch of spirals and rock bottoms and trying to figure it out. My mom committed suicide when I was 18. Um, it was crazy when she did, though. I remember getting a phone call that said something happened. And I said, let me guess. And they said, did somebody, it was my uncle, somebody call you? And I said, no. And I just realized I'd always had this gut feeling. I always kind of knew um, that that was going to happen. So that point, I feel like I grew up really quick. Went from 18 to I felt like 35. I started taking care of my sister and all sorts of things, trying to deal with the shame of uh, my mom. It took me a really long time to be able to say that she committed suicide. I think especially as a child, you have this, when you say suicide to people, they have a look that they give you. It's a very like, oh. <laughs> and as a child, I think I held shame in that thinking that that would mean something of me. It was like a reflection of me. I think also like with sexual abuse, I think sometimes we have a hard time speaking out about that because again, especially as a woman, it's, there's questions. Well, you know, what were you wearing? What were you doing? Things like that. And I feel like the same with the mom. It's well, you know, was she crazy or are you like her or, you know, things like that, that people don't understand. Um, so, you know, that on its own put me <laughs> in its own spiral. I would tell people my mom had a heart attack probably until I was almost 30. I had a really hard time being able to speak on that. That's something now too. I finally am like, Ooh, as I um, have gotten older, um, found I could finally speak on that openly and not take any responsibility for, but it's just like everything else. You know, we take it all on, like it's us, it's our fault. It's our problem. So that's, that's been a while for me to overcome too, but it's, there was a lot of freedom in that. Mm. I can totally appreciate that. I understand how the shame can make you change the story you tell people so that you don't deal with their famous look. Mm -hmm. Because indeed, when you hear committed suicide, it's like, oh, who made her do that? Or what was she going through that led her to that? Or right, how right. is it that she actually had not the strength, but the cowardice to leave? And it's like, yeah, are you, you a lot of judgment? That? Yeah. And all of that are questions that come to mind. And what is interesting is that many people coming on the show, me including, have 
toyed around with this idea of suicide as, as being an exit strategy, which it is not. No. And I'm sorry for your mother's spirit because she's not out of her big problem. No, no. She's not out of it. She has, she's out of body, but not out of problem and not out of all the emotions that she has not dealt with. Yeah. Over. Yeah, when you get into like soul contracts and all the spiritual, you know, world, anyone familiar in that, yeah, you see that you carried it on and the lifetimes that you may show well, up in the same. Um, also, too, if you want to talk like mother daughter and how we're connected and what we carry, um, I feel in my, the whole story won't go into tangent, but in my spiritual beliefs, like I feel that attachment from her. There's times in life where I've had certain things happen and I'm like, you know, where is this coming from? And I know it's like her karma she's trying to put on me. Like you carry it for me, you take it for me. And all of the, I've done cleansing and things where I am like, okay, this is not mine to carry. Part of also I uh, do womb healing. And that's a main thing again with women. It's your womb to womb. So you are holding generations and different stories, um, emotional trauma, all the things that you hold that are not even yours. I think a lot of times women don't understand that. It's like, why does this pattern keep happening? Why do I have this type of luck? Why do I choose this type of man? There's a lot of things. And you see like, maybe I didn't have the type of parents that this should have come from, or my dad wasn't like that, but why do I feel like this? And it's because you're holding on to your mothers. And it's, it's really interesting to know that we carry that. And if you're not aware, um, it could affect your whole life without even without you even realizing it. Fascinating. It is true. It is absolutely true. Um, that wound healing, I happened to go through that and to really do it fully, completely. And I think it is the most beautiful thing because now after having healed everything that comes from past generation and that you are giving forward to next generation, it's like, whoa, okay. But then it's so freeing mm -hmm. to break generational trauma, to break that, 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 li that lineage of, of trauma, of, of abuse, of, of difficulties. Of, I mean, the problem with abuse is that abuse is familiar. Especially Absolutely. we grew up with it. It's familiar. We know it. We gravitate towards it. Exactly. It, it's natural. We know how to deal with it. So mm -hmm. we, we are comfortable around it. Even though it is abuse, it is bad, it hurts. Yeah. And that's, you know, so for me, as I, you know, my story, I ended up um, the husband or the husband, my ex-husband, the father of my kids, um, almost 10 years of narcissistic abuse um, again, I didn't really know what a narcissist was. You know, I'd always heard the word to me. It was just a silly word that was like ego. Like it's just, you have a big ego, you're narcissistic. I didn't quite understand that it was an actual thing, a disorder. I didn't understand the manipulation involved. I didn't understand the trauma that comes with it. Again, when I look back at my life though, and I see all the things that happen, of course, our trauma bond, like I then understood why I chose this person. But again, it was so normal to me the abuse, the put downs, the manipulation, all of it, it just seemed so normal. And it took me almost the whole time in this relationship to understand what a problem was like, I knew there was a problem, but I didn't quite understand 
what the problem was. And then again, I step back and look and see, I, I honestly think the womb healing when I started doing that was what really helped me with that as well. I mean, it's something that I don't think a lot of women have heard of at all. And I think sometimes it seems confusing, like, what is it? But oh my gosh, it cleared so much for me and really helped me find my strength and my inner power and my grounding, really just grounding in myself. I think that's another thing when you have a lot of abuse, we're kind of floating outside of our bodies a lot. And when you are, it's really hard to recognize what's going on because you're just tuning it out. Emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, you know, Um, and we're not allowing ourselves to be here. And I think when you're here in your body, which again is why I turn to somatics as well. When you're here in the body, even though it's uncomfortable, you're forced to feel it. You're forced to see it. And you're like, oh, whoa, this is here. And then you know where to heal. But a lot of us women, um, and this could resonate with you, you might not even know this is happening. But if you could feel it within you that mm, I'm kind of like back here, sometimes kind of watching if you feel like you're in a spiral, watching yourself go through motions, if you have the moments where it's like, why am I still in this relationship? Or why do I keep, you know, doing that? Like, it's an inclination that you're kind of stepping out of your body and allowing. And that's a trauma response, right? It's like survival mode. I'll just stay back here and let this happen. Because if I'm present, I might have to do something about it. That is true. You, you really put it in a way that explains it. And that is super much, I mean, it is super appreciated. My question for you, some people go through a monumental shift in consciousness from one day to another, big decision, it's over, cannot take abuse any, anymore, enough is enough. Other people are much more, I mean, you can see afterward that there has been so many little shifts, but you cannot really say there was one moment in time. How was it for you? For me, I think in my journey, I've had a lot of little incremental shifts. I think even just starting from with my mom, I remember the first couple years, I was just really sucked into the victimhood of it. And I remember making a really clear choice one day where I said, I'm not going to be a victim of this. I'm not going to use this as my excuse. And that got me out of there and, um, you know, led me to a new space in life. And I think... I always remember that first shift and I think that's happened for me often, just a little more, a little more taking my power back, taking pieces back. Um, I will say though, again, in that 10 year relationship, it was just so deep and heavy that it took me though, that 10 years, it took me that 10 years. I wanted to get out. I think from the first year Um, we, it was just a typical really typical love bombing story, which again, I didn't know what that was at the time. Within three months, we got engaged. Within nine months, I was pregnant. Um, Before we were even together for a year, and again, I'm pregnant, I remember telling my sister like, oh my gosh, I don't think this guy is who he says he is. I don't think I'm actually in love. Like I think, but then it was too late. I had quit my job. I, everything was in it. And I would, again, coming out of my body, making excuses. This is familiar this is how it is. So that one, it took me a while, but when I look back, I can have no regrets because I learned so much about myself more than I ever have. And I really learned how to reclaim that power. 
um, that I think need to be reclaimed since I was a child that I, that I lost when I was a child. So, um, but for me, it was incremental, but at the very end, after saying for that many years, it was an all of a sudden there was like this huge click and it was like, okay, <laughs> you said it this long, there's no turning back. And when I left, I didn't have a dollar, like not $1 in my bank account. I just had faith and hope that he would pay child support, hoping that he could at least help because three kids is a lot <laughs> to take care of on your own. I also just had the feeling that the universe was going to help me some way that this is, I just have to do it. I just have to do it. And it's like, pull your big girl pants on. And I just had the day where I felt like I woke up and did. And everything after that went so crazy fast. And again, it was because I finally made that decision. Like I'm in California and California has, you know, all the crazy divorce laws. And sometimes people's divorces could be forever where other states, they could happen real quick. And um, the lawyer told me there's no, you know, it's going to be a while. And I kept saying, no, 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 no. It's going to happen very easily. Like I just had it in my head. Like I knew. And he's like, well, they usually take a long time, blah, blah. And at the end, it was like six months to the day, which is the, the um, stature for California. It has to be at least that six months period. It was almost to the day. And the paperwork went through and he called me and he's like, I have to tell you, I've never seen a divorce happen this quickly before, like ever, like nothing got in your way. There was not one thing. And I'm like, I'm telling you, I called it in. I was just like, after I waited this long, it has to go like this. I just have to be done. I have to wash my hands. You know, there was, he wanted me to fight for more money or fight. For, and I was like, honestly, like, again, to me, the power was, I don't need to fight for anything. I just need to be strong enough to know that it's all going to be okay. And again, I have me and that's what I need to know. And so, and then the paces did fall. I mean, not that there wasn't bumps, but you know, they fell into place and things happened, but took a bit. <laughs> How amazing. And then, um, and then you have found the love of your life now. I did. That was a <laughs> so crazy so story. Because I mean, breaking the silence around that, that's good. Uh, giving hope, that's even better, right? So you, you found yeah. the love of your life. I will say too, you know, after, again, discovering about the whole narcissist relationship, um, you know, it's hard, again, for, I think when you know that you've been caught in that, any woman that knows it, it's, you almost feel like, will I get out? And then it's almost this doom. Am I just going to keep finding another one? Right. And I think that a lot of us do, even, even if you just dated one for a minute, maybe not married, but you know, that's the, that's a trauma bond. Again, that's the familiar. So there was like, oh my gosh. And I kind of went through the, I'm just going to be the independent woman. I'm going to be the single mom, you know, it's all going to be fine. And anyways, I finally decided I would try online dating and it was like literally a couple weeks. I barely used it. And, um, I met this guy and like, I don't know, like things clicked. We talked for like three full days and all of a sudden I was like, oh, I don't know where he lives. And there was like this little town and I was like, that must be Northern California somewhere. And I was like, where do you live? And he said, Montana. And I'm like, what Montana? Okay. Well, I'm <laughs> like, I, I, I'm like, this is going to sound crazy, but I swear I would have said you are my soulmate. I guess like this was not meant to be. And it's been great talking to you. And he said, well, why do, why should we stop talking? I'm like, well, you live in Montana and you have a child and I live in LA and I have three kids and we have act like this is not, there's no way this could ever work. And he's like, well, if we think it can, it can. I'm like, okay, well, I guess we'll keep talking. And 
from there, somehow it just happened again. Like when you have an intention and what I realized too, is, you know, we are something I tell all my clients, you know, we want to manifest. That's such a big word right now. We want to manifest. We want to have the perfect man, the perfect life, you know, all the things, but it's, we get really focused on the story of how it's supposed to look and how that person's supposed to be and all the things, you know, I never would have guessed this person would have had a kid that he lived in Montana. I mean, even how he looks, he looks completely opposite of what my ex looked like. He's almost seven feet tall and he's bald and he looks like he's a lumberjack. And I'm like, that would have never been the person I chose, you know, but like love speaks to you differently. And that's what comes from the open heart. But you know, we have to know that we're worthy of that. And that is, that's how I drew in the narcissist. I didn't think I was worthy of love. I was still that wounded, you know, child. And so what I realized when I went on my healing is that I finally knew I was worthy. And when I opened up to that, the universe delivered, just not in the package that I thought it was. And again, what's required is just being open. So I was open. I said, I'll try. We somehow managed to see each other at first once a month. Then suddenly we're able to see each other twice a month. Then he said, well, what if I just moved to California? Like, maybe I'll try to find a job. Maybe I'll, you know, whatever. We'll see. Um, we actually put together this manifestation. I recorded this meditation. We both listened to it like 10 times a day for like two weeks. All of a sudden, out of the blue, he got a call. He got a job. It starts in two weeks. It was over double his uh, current income. They were going to give him a car gas, this, that, whatever, all you have to do is just come be here. <laughs> so I don't know how it happened, but again, it's, you know, um, it's just, it's belief. It's the deservingness. It's the worthiness. I think, you know, that with your story too, right? When you put yourself in that space and you go, okay, I'm here, I'm open, I'm worthy. And I'm just going to believe it's things fall in line. You know, that's again, one of the biggest things I try to share with my clients is when we can just step into that, you don't have to worry as much of the how you don't have to do as much. You just have to know and you have to believe and it's what you feel about yourself. And so, yeah, all of that lined up and here we are now living in California together. So <laughs> it's been a crazy journey, but how amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is worth every pain in the world, every emotional wound, because finding real love and being open to it and being open to receiving love from unexpected people, unexpected places, completely amazing. I think that that's the hardest thing, though, is being open to receive. Again, when we come from this wounding, and that is the story that keeps us in these relationships, is... We don't think we're worthy of it, but I think there, it's also kind of like the suicide to me. We find it very shameful to admit that out loud. However, when you can admit that out loud, that's when you could change it. Just like everything, you have to own it to disown it. There has to be the part of you that realizes, I don't think that I'm worthy of love. We expect that we accept the love we think we deserve. And when we think it's this much, that's what we get. And there has to be that part of you that might have to admit, you know, maybe right now I'm not deserving. Maybe I don't think I'm worthy of this. And that's okay because then you could shift it. Um, but I think there's a shame in admitting that we don't want to walk around. Say, oh, I'm just unworthy. I don't feel, but we, that's a lot of us. That's how we are. That's what the trauma tells us. Right. And, but you shift and you have to be open. I think that's our biggest argument that we get in the both of us is we'll have the moments where we get stuck in our trauma and we both shut down the love. It's like, 
the ideal partners that we've looked for our whole lives and we built ourselves to be able to, you know, be in those relationships. But again, we're not perfect, like all human beings, but we'll have those moments and we'll like laugh later. Like, you know, what was the actual problem is that we both just shut down. We both thought, oh, I'm not worthy of this right now. It's like, it's a great problem to have. At least we know it's here and then we could, you know, come back into it. We remind each other. Um, but yeah. Thank you for sharing that, Tracy. Thank you for sharing hope, love, light, and some of the hurdles that come in even in a great relationship. Yeah. I mean, I have also found my third last and dream husband, Sasha. We have, we have been 10 years together, married now. And, uh, and even if he is the most amazing person I've ever known, we have had our serious, I would say, reconsideration yeah <laughs> there is do we really want to continue that yeah I mean, it's not a question of love it's a question of okay i mean there is daily day-to-day life and there is a feeling of love do we really want to continue that way is that really satisfying and fulfilling for both of us yeah and you know in all of my so i spent the last two years after the divorce um just deep in all the different certifications of love couples relationship. Cause I'm like, I need to heal this. I need to figure it out what happened. And you know, there's so many different methodologies out there and again, different courses I've taken, but all of them come to the same, you know, your deepest, truest love relationship, soulmate, whatever you want to call it. We all have our different things. It's actually going to be one of the hardest relationships you've ever had because they are going to test you. They're going to trigger you. And that's the point of why we come into relationship Again, not in the, you know, narcissist abusive way, but we come together to heal. We come together to heal our childhood wounding. So our partner is going to trigger all of that old stuff in us that wants to heal. And that is the test though, is are we willing to stick with it? Are we willing to write it out together? And sometimes the answer may be no, but I think a lot of us now, I think we just live in this culture where everyone wants to scream like boundaries and red flags. And we're trying to really prove this like independence, independence which I think there's a place for all of that. But I think it's also taking away from people understanding what relationship is and understanding that you can have boundaries, but that also doesn't mean run away. And it also doesn't mean that you're perfect and they're the one with the problem. You know, it's self-responsibility, um, boundary to a degree, but where can you allow? Because when you can work through it and face it, you heal in a relationship at a different level than you ever can on your own. I think a lot of us don't get that. It's self-healing, yes, self-love. But in relationship is where we can go the next level. Again, it's being open, though, to that partner that's going to hold that space for you, which, you know, it takes the work, too, to pull, pull them in. But sorry, guys, my children in the background are facing yeah, <laughs> three more days of summer vacation here. Sorry. It's all good. I'm not sorry. I mean... They are having the time of their lives. Yeah. I mean, again, to, to my working moms at home that are trying to juggle it all on their own, this is, this is life too, right? It's okay. It's okay. All right. Um, what is your business nowadays? I understand that there is a lot of relationship coach. I understand that you are really in that realm of helping others transform. Who is your ideal client and what are you promising her that she can get if she gets the thing that you are teaching her right yeah 
So, you know, that's been a journey for me too. And I, my ideal client is me. Um, you are a woman who is probably 38, mid forties. You are probably divorced or you're in that relationship where you are doing what we just said. You're questioning, is this where I'm supposed to be? Is this for me? You are not feeling fulfilled. You're not feeling satisfied. You are probably not feeling like you are seen or acknowledged and you are in that place of not even remembering what brings you joy. You get into that mom mode or that wife mode, or I have to do this mode again, you're out of your body. It's like, what actually makes me happy? What is the thing that I like to do? We start to forget that. So when I take on this woman, it's a full mind, body, soul approach. A lot of times you probably let yourself go. We do the whole, I'm a mom. I don't have time to take care of myself. You know, not feeling the best in that aspect does not help you show up. And you're just on the path to self-discovery, wanting to figure out where that spark is again, to know yourself again. And especially in relationships, realize what you deserve so you can have that. And whether it's, you know, you just got a divorce and you're ready to call in that partner like I did, or you're in the relationship where you might realize that partner is still there next to you. They just don't know. This, this woman often, me, never knew how to ask for what she wants or needs. And when you can't do that, you can't receive that. And that is part of the ownership of deservingness. If I can't look at my partner and say, or my husband, whatever, this is what I need from you. They can't give it to me. But often we also, when we're disconnected, we don't even know what that need is. So it's helping find that again, the spark, your needs, being able to use your voice to ask for it. And just realizing that you deserve to look, feel, have all that you want. Um, even if you feel it, like, I feel like we get to like 40, which is still young, like, oh, I'm 40, right? Like, oh, I have these kids. It's baggage. Realizing none of that is true. I used to, when I first got divorced, I'm like, I can't date. I have three kids. It's baggage. Like, guess what? We all have baggage. We all have a thing. We all have a thing. So it's just realizing, you know, you're just you, you get to be you, you get to be recognized for you and, and you get to have all the things. Exactly. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. So, of course, if you recognize yourself in uh, the description that Tracy just did, there is a link in the description to make sure to connect with her, um, to connect with her on Facebook, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, by email, something that resonates with you, and, of course, on her website as well. So all of that is in the description to make sure that you check it out to connect with Tracy Lefleur. Thank you so much. Do you know that le fleur, fleur means flower in French? I do. And it's funny to have a le and not a la in there. But that is just because of French. <laughs> because it's la. Well, this is, la fleur. This is, is actually my married name, to be okay. honest with you. But <laughs> I have to say, I thought it sounded so pretty. I kept it for now. Um, but... Oh, it still does. It still sounds amazing. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, oh, it's, everyone's like, it's such a pretty last name. I'm like, yeah, let's just not think of who it's connected to. But <laughs> it goes with my brand. Exactly, That's my I honesty. Mean, and I believe that you have tattooed Le Fleur on your arm as well. I do somewhere. So, I, mean, I don't even. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember having seen that one song at, at one moment. It's like okay. 
but it's a pretty name and you are actually giving the meaning to this name because you are wearing it and it's representing you because Tracy Lafleur is not Lafleur alone. It's Tracy Lafleur and it's you. Yeah, that makes it absolutely gorgeous. Thank as you. you are. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for having joined us on this episode on Real Talk, Real Women, Breaking the Silence Around Abuse. Thank you for bringing back love, joy, hope, and a good outlook on life, bringing solution, bringing ideas, bringing lightness. Oh, it's it's amazing. You. I appreciate you a lot. Thank you so, so much, Tracy. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Bye-bye right. for now. Bye-bye.